Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Hey friends, if you are looking for ad-free Sense of Soul episodes, you can find them at Sense of Soul Patreon. Become a monthly member at any level. You will also have access to our monthly SOS Sacred Circles, our mini-series, merch, and much more. And it's a great way to help support our podcast so that we can continue to bring you inspiring episodes twice a week with our enlightened guests from all around the world. Check out our Patreon. Today we have with us author Wendy Willow. She is an intuitive palm reader, a numerologist, a speaker, and a published writer. She's joining us today to tell us about her new book called Silver Butterfly Wings, a story about transformation and the many paths and decisions that Wendy had faced while going through the process of grief and the many signs and synchronicities that she received from the other side. Thank you so much for joining me, Wendy. Hi, Shanna. (laughs) How are you doing? Thanks. Where are you joining us from? I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay. Never been there before. Yeah. Well, I've only been here a couple of years. I'm from Canada originally. Oh. Yeah. So very different in terms of climate and people and so on. And uh, yeah, but life is all full of experiences and we just have to get out there and enjoy them. Yeah. I am so excited to meet you and talk about your new book and hear your story as part of a grieving process. Is that right? Absolutely. This is why I wrote the book initially. It's because I was in so much pain. I couldn't accept the fact that my husband had died. We were prepared because he was sick. He had lung disease, but that doesn't really do anything. That doesn't change the fact that once he's gone, he's gone. And it was very hard to wrap my head around the fact I'd never see him again. And he transitioned. He was on the other side and he wasn't part of my earthly life experience. So no warm body in bed at night and nobody to say good morning to, you know, all the usual things that you do with a partner. And it's just all of a sudden it's emptiness. So it was very difficult. Now, I like to process my feelings through writing. And even though I didn't realize what I was doing at the time, I would just sit and write and pour out my feelings and my emotions. And and then at the same time, or once I started to get signs from the other side, I wanted to record them. I didn't want to forget them. And that was a whole big process too, because is this true? Am I making things up in my mind? You know, I was very skeptical. Even though I read palms and I do Reiki and I've learned a lot about uh, vibrational medicine and so on. In other words, I was open to the healing energies and what you can't see. I don't have to see it to believe it. However, when I was receiving signs from my husband who'd passed away, I thought, well, how is that even possible? You know, I... I didn't believe in mediums way back. (laughs) And so this whole experience just completely opened me up to a greater sense of purpose. It opened me up to the realms beyond this earth. I guess that was the beginning of a healing journey. And then once I got into writing down my story, you know, chapter, chapter, chat, and I thought, why don't I make this into a book? so that I can help other people. This was the reason for writing my first book on palmistry. It was to show other people that, you know, we all have troubles and problems and we come to a crossroads and we need a little guidance. There are people around that will help and guide and so on. 
Yeah. A lot of times people will tell you, you, oh, you have a short lifeline, a long lifeline. Or, you know, one time this woman had told me at a Renaissance festival, she said, oh, you have four kids. And I said, no, I have three. And she was like, <laughs> no, four. And at this point, I mean, I was divorced from my kid's dad. I was not planning on having another kid. So mm-hmm. when I did, I thought back to that palm reader and I said, what's in my palms? <laughs> <laughs> did you see in your husband's palms? Yeah, well, you know, it's very interesting because when I was dating my husband, David, the one who had passed away, we were sitting at a coffee shop having coffee and cheesecake and his sister was there. And, you know, I felt like it was okay in terms of this wasn't like a one-on-one. I didn't really want a relationship in the beginning. You know, I'd, ha- I'd been through a divorce. And when David came into my life, it was like, mm, not really, you know, <laughs> but he was very gentle and he didn't pressure me and we would go for coffee and we do things, but his sister was with us. So that made it okay. And one time we were sitting there and then when I told them that I'd read palms, because you have to tread a bit carefully. Some people think palm readers are, are fakes and weirdos. And so when I did get around to telling him, the first thing he did was put his hands together tightly and say, I don't want you to see what's in my palm. <laughs> I said, why? <laughs> because oh. you might not like me. <laughs> oh. I, and then when we got around to having a relationship, right now my clock says 1111. Those are master uh, classrooms, by the oh, way. I just got yeah. yeah, anyway. I found that I couldn't read his palm. And it's the same thing with my own children. I was too close to him at that point. Had I read his palm before I really knew him, it probably would have worked. But by the time I got to know him and we were in a relationship and then I just took a look at his palm, I couldn't read it. So I figured, well, meant to be. Okay. I didn't realize that. So I just thought basically you're looking at the palm and you're comparing it with some sort of chart or guide. Yeah. Yeah. It's not really like that. I mean, there are major lines in the palm that are generally the same with people. In other words, lifeline is is very pronounced, heartline, headline. There are differences, of course, but you know, he was just too close to me. Myself, I can't read my own palm. I can't read my children's. I can't read my grandkids. It's very frustrating. <laughs> Although yes. there's certain little little characteristics that I can pick up. And, yeah. um, but, you know, as a, as a real sit down proper, re- no. So all that to say that I couldn't read that he was going to die from lung disease. Was he spiritual as well? You know, that's interesting because he was a medical doctor. So his training and his upbringing was very scientific. Um, But by the time he met me, he and his wife were divorced and he was starting to question himself and his whole life. And he he was being more and more drawn to, to spirituality and using his intuition rather than just you know, the exact way that you practice medicine is with steps and with science and with, you know, which it's funny because I was just talking to some friends yesterday about this. I was telling them that uh, when we first got together and he was drawn to me because I was spiritual, but I've also had a background in medicine. I was a medical secretary for years and years. So we had that in common. And one day he came home. He had seen a patient in his office And she had come in with pain 
And he said, you know what I did? I skipped all the normal steps. The normal steps would be you do an x-ray, you do blood work, you do this and this and this. He said, but I had this intuition. It was a female problem. <laughs> so I went right to that, did an ultrasound, and we found, I mean, I don't really want to go into this, but in yeah. other words, he was using his intuition to practice medicine. And I think that in this day and age, that is 100% necessary. You know the human body and you know people and you know emotions and feelings and not everything is just straight black and white. So it was really a good time in his life to meet me. And it was a good time in my life to meet him. Hmm. So how old were you guys? Oh, I was 43 and he was okay. 52. So he had okay. two boys from his first marriage and I had three children. And they were basically in their 20s. So currently... I am working with a client. I'm a massage therapist as well. And I really don't usually do this, but it was a friend who called me and said, could you do my really good friend a favor? Her boyfriend has cancer mm -hmm. and he's going through chemo and he's in a lot of pain. Would you mind going there and massaging him? And I feel so much for her. Because mm -hmm. she's living with him and taking care of him. I'm listening to you and I'm, I'm really feeling her right now. And it, it, she needs care too. In fact, I told her that. I said, you know, you should have mm -hmm. me come over for you a massage. You know, that caregiver role in watching someone that you love go through that. Yes, it's, it's a terrible experience. And you're right to help her in that respect. Because as a caregiver, you neglect your needs completely. And I had come to the point where I was, you know, not looking after myself. And I knew that in some part of my being that that wasn't right, that if I was to go downhill, it wouldn't be helpful to my husband or my family. Well, you know, and also just that you get to this midlife and you find someone and you're, you're totally a different person at this point in your life. So you're actually choosing someone not for security, not for you know, many reasons that you would have maybe in your thirties mm -hmm. and it's more authentic. So, I mean, that part really hits my heart hard, um, your story and hers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was the right time for us, like I said, and it was an emotional thing, you know, we both were ready for, for love, even though at the beginning it didn't feel that way. We were friends for quite a while, which makes a stronger relationship, I think. Yeah, yeah, right. Because you're not just jumping in either. That's not no. something you do in your 40s. You're not just <laughs> holding your nose, jumping in. No, in no, 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 no. You know, when I saw the name of your book and I saw that it was a story of transformation and it is a transformation in the face of grief, but I thought about the story of the boy and he finds a cocoon, keeps it, and he cannot wait until one day, you know, it starts shaking. And he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited, you know, and he can't stand it. He sees the butterfly is struggling to come out of this cocoon. And so he takes a scissors and he okay. helps the butterfly out just a little bit and he cuts it open. And out comes this butterfly and its wings are shriveled mm -hmm. and it doesn't have the strength to fly even. So it reminds me of like a Zen story mm -hmm. of that, you know, we have to struggle. That's how we get stronger yeah. in order to fly. And I always think about that when I think about butterfly and transformation, because when I heard that story once years ago, 
it just, it never left me. Cause I just thought, wow, this is life, right? Mm-hmm. The more things you are faced with, the stronger you get. Yeah. It's validation for your struggles because it's not comfortable and you're not happy when you're struggling. So you need to find a purpose for all this. Yeah. I like that story. I hadn't heard that. Mine is very different. My butterfly story. When after my husband had transitioned, it was a day or two later and I was sitting outside on my back deck. It was summertime and I was staring at the empty chair, which would always be empty And I just exploded in grief and crying and sobbing. I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't imagine going on without him and why that chair would always be empty. You know, the whole thing about loss and I just didn't know how to handle it. So I was crying and crying and crying. And then all of a sudden, something made me look up and there on his chair was this beautiful butterfly, a kind of butterfly I'd never seen before. Oh, And it was her serenity, her gentleness, her stillness that I was focused on this. And you know how sometimes you think somebody's looking at you or watching you. And so you immediately turn around or look up. And so I was drawn to this butterfly looking at her. And then all of a sudden in my head, I heard these words, do not stand at my grave and weep. I thought, where the heck is that coming from? David, is that you? You know, and that was the first thing. Well, the second thing, actually. But like, how would his voice come into my head? I was I was still in shock, you know. And so then, you know, that broke the grief right there for a moment. And I felt comforted. And I thought, well, this is this right? You know, is this David telling me I'm everything is okay? So then I went in the house and I got on my computer and I Googled butterflies after somebody dies. And that's when I found the story that it is an ancient Chinese belief that when you see a butterfly come back, it's a soul telling you that all is well. Oh, it gave me a lot of comfort. And then that whole summer, I saw butterflies everywhere. Uh, But how you know it's a sign, first of all, it's a gut feeling, you know. But secondly, it's there's something that sets it apart from ordinary things. So this butterfly was a different kind. I'd never seen that before. Just the way it was so quiet sitting there, not fluttering around or anything. So those things are what sets it apart just from a regular butterfly fluttering around. And that to me tells me that it was a sign. So Uh, I had a similar experience after my dad died. uh It was... He died about two weeks before Father's Day. So I'm inside, I'm pouting, you know, it's Father's Day and sad and all the things. And my kids come inside. They're like, mom, you have to come in the backyard. I've never seen anything like this in my life. So we go out there and there was a swarm of dragonflies. (laughs) And it was so magical, Wendy. They were touching our shoulders. And I mean, they were everywhere. It was like you were in this magical forest for this divine moment. And then there's also the story of the dragonfly. There's these two little bugs in the water. And they keep seeing all these other bugs going up to the top and they never come back and they miss them. And they're like, what's up there? And the one little bug says to the other, go up there and see what's going on and then come back and tell me. Mm -hmm. And so the one little bug goes up and when he does, he gets his wings 
and he starts flying around. He sees all his other, you know, dragonfly yeah. friends that he had missed. And he doesn't go back down because he says, I know that, you know, my friend will eventually meet me up here. And I thought, I was like, wow, that's so divine that other people, right, have had similar experiences with these magical moments mm -hmm, mm -hmm. throughout time. Yeah, dragonflies symbolize transformation. And that's why part two of my book I called Dragonfly Wings. So the first year was all about butterflies, the cocoon and the healing and the reassurance. The second year after my husband had passed was all I could see dragonflies everywhere. And that's more about gaining strength, transformation from mm -hmm. where I was, the, the grieving widow, into learning to stand on my own two feet and trying to live life with happiness and joy instead of constantly being in pain and suffering. Like you said about the butterflies, my daughter was like, Mom, I was just in Walmart and there was a dragonfly <laughs> flying next to me in the grocery store. Wow. <laughs> Walmart. Right. Oh, that's funny. So, yeah, but like you said, when it's a unique experience like that, yeah, it's divide. very meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a moment with the dragonfly? Yeah. Well, it wasn't as profound as the butterfly because I had been used to seeing signs, dragonflies in my backyard, and you know, herons. Herons are standing on your own two feet, and ducks, and heart clouds in the sky, and pens in the grass. My husband loved pens, all kinds of things. And that second wedding anniversary was, oh, dragonflies, and there were bats, signs that I, I didn't think were going to happen. And so that makes it very special. Yeah, I remember my dad used to call me grasshopper. We're just talking about Bugs Life today. <laughs> but he yeah. called me grasshopper and it was on my birthday. My birthday's in May and uh -huh. it's like May 15th. So in Colorado, it's just, you're lucky to get some really warm days, you know? Uh -huh. And there's this ginormous grasshopper on the window and it didn't move for like an hour or more. I took a picture and I was just thinking to myself, I wonder if that's my dad, like, you know, yeah. just hanging yeah. out. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I believe that a hundred percent. And uh, they're there with us. They don't go anywhere. They're around. It's just yeah. the bodies that aren't here anymore. Right. And yeah. I remember after my brother passed, it was in March in Montreal and I was driving home and all of a sudden the sun was shining. It was beautiful. March is still cold but it was beautiful. And then all of a sudden this snow squall happened like from nowhere. <laughs> and it was like about five minutes and this snow, snow, really bad snow. And I had to drive really carefully and everything. And, and my brother was like that. He was a kind of an angry man. And so I, I knew right away, I said, okay, you're angry about leaving your family behind and whatever. And I get it. I understand. <laughs> And um, so you lean into the feeling of the experience and oh, listen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But as I say, it took me a while to um, really come to terms with uh, signs, messages being sent from across the veil. And once I did, I just felt so much calmer and able to go on with life because that's the thing. You know, our loved ones die and we need to go on with life. We can't suffer forever. 
So as I said, you know, this is really why I wrote the book um, is to to share my experience and to hopefully give other people something to hang on to, because that's what hope is. You need something like there is light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And when you're in grief and you're so, you know, and it's so heavy, it's like you are not very present. So, Mm -hmm. so once you're able to kind of shift from that place to just being more present and and noticing things, they're so in it that they can't see that there's signs all around them. Yeah, that's, that's really a good way of expressing it. I just say, keep an open mind or stay open, but you've really said it very well. We just had a really cool sign the other day. So it was my dad's birthday and I just got home from work. I sit down, my 10 year olds in the living room with me. And all of a sudden we hear strum, strum, strum. And I look around the corner of my couch because that's, I knew there was a ukulele on the floor. My dad even played, I even have his ukulele and I, I look over there and it's vibrating. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and there's absolutely zero explanation for it. Yeah. I mean, it was feet away from any human. I can't explain that. Yeah, that was awesome. And then I, I was like, it's my dad's birthday. Yeah, exactly. So Energy cool. sending you. Yeah. Tell you about my mom's birthday too. She had a beautiful hibiscus tree. And when uh-huh. she passed away, I got the tree and it bloomed for a little while, and then it stopped blooming completely. Mm-hmm. Two years, no blooms at all. And then on her birthday, which was July, I got this one beautiful bloom, this bright, oh. red, gorgeous hibiscus flower, and then it never bloomed again. But that was my mom saying, I'm still around. Like, Don't give up hope. Oh my gosh, I just got goosebumps all over again. And I think that that's another thing is like, letting your body tell you, yes, validation, right? Because you feel all these things. Even when my kids will say they think they saw something like, well, how do you feel when you saw that? You know what I mean? What did you feel inside of your body? Were you scared? Did you feel goosebumps? You know, were you calm? You know, because you have to pay attention. Your body will really try to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. I I usually say that it's a gut feeling, you know, for me. But other people process things differently. And yeah. it's, you're right. It's in the body. But I mean, we're so not taught to trust that gut feeling. I mean, I sometimes laugh. And when I think about when I first became a mother, no one said, like, trust your gut. No, I'm mm-hmm. reading a book a man wrote on what to do with the child. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> but, you know, I think that I hope that we're moving into a different direction where we are listening to ourselves and women are learning to trust themselves more. Yeah. Learning to trust ourselves is, I think that's the way this this whole generation is going, even though it may not look like it on the outside, but I think they're learning because there's so much information, so many experiences out there. And how do you know what's right for you? There's not just one way. There's, there's many ways to figure out what works for you. I know that you said that you originally just were writing down your own grief in this book, but what is your hope when people read this? It's to bring comfort, to um, help other people go through this horrible, horrible experience and to let them know that, yes, I've had dreams, I've had visitations, I've had the hot spot on, on his side of the bed one day. Wow. And 
Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, hot, aren't spirits cold? The room is supposed to be chilly and so on. But I swung my legs over and it was a a hot spot on his side of the bed. And so I thought, you know, what is what's going on? Anyway, I I kept my feet there. (laughs) And then after a couple of minutes, it just subsided. But, you know, that I'm sure he was in bed with me. (laughs) And ever so gently that I would get into bed at night and then the middle of the night, it would just shake. Now, there's no... There's no earthquakes in Montreal and there was nobody else in the house. I was alone. There's no pets to jump on the bed or anything. I got pats on my shoulders. I got pats on my hips. And still, I was very skeptical back then. And I thought I must be going crazy. You know, I turn on all the lights and I said, okay, who's in, who came in the house? Nobody. And so my writing this book is to give people a sense that number one, you're not going crazy. Number two, there's a lot of others out there that are, experiencing grief and your loved one isn't sucked into some vacuum never to be seen or heard from again I mean I don't believe that that's the case when we transition I believe that they're actually in some wonderful place of love you know their spirits they're in place of love and they have stopped judging because that's this world Their world is one where everything is calm and beautiful. Anyway, that's just what I believe. And so in terms of writing, I would just like to bring comfort and hope. You have another book called Reading Between the Lines. Is that the one that is about the palm reading? Yeah. When did you write that book? Was that before or after? That was a long time ago. I was writing uh, palmistry articles for a spiritual journal in Montreal And so at one point I thought, well, why don't I just put all these articles together and make a book? (laughs) So I did. And it's not as easy as you think, because you need to change chapters around and make it flow like a book. And but I wanted to do that. And my purpose back then, I'm trying to think when that was, oh, probably late 90s, early, early 2000s. So David was my husband at that time. And I didn't have to go out and earn a living. So I had the time to write and he encouraged me to follow my dreams. He encouraged me to write. So I got all the articles together and I thought, you know, I love palmistry because I love to help people on their path and and give them a little bit of direction. It's, It's not fortune telling. It's not telling people what will happen. Nobody really knows. And I wanted to sort of dispel the the myth, not the myth, but the connotations and negative connotations around fortune telling and so on. And this is palm reading is personality guidance. That's what it was way, way, way back in the shaman's age and medicine woman man age. This They looked at the hand, they looked at the lines, they felt the energy and they looked at the size and the shape and they would give people personality counseling. So this is how I was drawn into palmistry. And this is what I wanted to share with the world that it's if you're at a crossroads, if you need some guidance, find somebody who you can trust, and they will help you along. I also put numerology in there because I like to do numerology with the readings. Sure. My dad died. I seriously was seeing 222, like in the craziest places. Mm -hmm. And I, okay. And I just kept finding it. And Uh every time I would feel within myself in my gut that yeah that was that was you know the universe or my dad or an angel or something just saying you're on the right path 
you'll like this one. I was taking a Reiki master teacher class that day. My class wasn't till noon, but my mom was going to watch my daughter. And my mom calls me and I look at my clock and I'm like, and I always say to her, I said, it's 722. Mm-hmm. And she, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, it's not till noon, mom. She goes, oh, okay, okay. So it was a Saturday. I don't want to be waking up at 722, right? <laughs> and I'm not if I don't have to. So I, I go downstairs because my dog knows I'm up now, hears me. So I have to take the dog downstairs. My yep. partner was actually watching the news downstairs already. So mm-hmm. I'm laying on the couch with one eye open, right? Letting the dog yep. out. And on the television, all of a sudden it's a commercial mm-hmm. and the whole commercial, it only says one thing. It's 722. It's 722. It's It's a McDonald's commercial. And that's all they say. And I could never even find the commercial again, but I had him rewind it. I recorded it. I was like, okay, seven is my spiritual path number, which is also just a spiritual number. And then 22 master builder, right? I'm going to my master teacher class. I mean, you know, that's so in your face when it's like that, it's it's almost like I would have to truly convince myself that that did not just happen because it did. You know, David was a seven and we were married on the 22nd of July. So there you go. There's seven twenty. <laughs> See, and I haven't told that story in a long time. So, you know, it's like those divine synchronicities that you lean into, yeah. you know, that's yeah. awesome. So yeah. do you really think of 722 with him then? Actually, I hadn't until just now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, was, that was way back. I used to think about that. But uh, no, now it's David. It's more cardinals and, you know, things in nature. But yeah. yes, every once in a while on the clock, you know, the digital numbers like the 1111 just a little while ago. Yeah, right. And 222 and four. I get a lot of fours with him because he was a four. April 4th was his birthday. Okay. Four, four. 43. So he had three fours. Oh, in his day wow. And so whenever I see four, four, four on the clock, obviously it's like, oh my God, there yeah. he is saying hello. You know, <laughs> Right. Well, you know, I feel like, you know, something nudged me to tell you that story, which was, I haven't told that story in so long. And so just the connection, but see, that's how it is. It's like, we're all connected, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. this energy that we're all made of the same stuff. The night before he passed, we were in the hospital and um, actually going back to my book, Reading Between the Lines, he wanted me to read from that book. It hadn't been published yet. Now, this is 2010. um, And he said, can you read your words from your book? And I said, "Okay." So I read him some. And then the last night before he passed, he I said, you know, let's just do some guided meditations because I knew the end was was really near. And I have something called the shaman's journey. I used to teach creative visualization. And that was one of that was actually the last one that I would teach. And it's a real inner soul journey. And what you do is, you know, you do the basic meditation, grounding and closing your eyes and deep breathing and so on. And then I would read this and you go through the chakras. And with every chakra, it's what power animal shows itself to you. And so, you know, the red, it would be something, I don't know, people would have these visions of tigers and lions and anything strong in that. And then you go through the uh, the orange and the yellow and the pink green for the heart chakra and the blue and so on. And when it was over, I said, okay, well, what power animals did you see? And he said, I didn't see any. 
And I said, oh, I mean, that's strange. And he said, well, I just saw a hawk. And I thought, oh, <laughs> after he passed, I went back and I, I was reading Ted Andrews and I was reading some more animal speak, you know, interpretation books. And it struck me that he didn't see any power animals because he was leaving this earth. But the hawk is a messenger. And the hawk will tell you, guide you into the afterlife. So that was very significant. So that is my spirit animal. And I even call them and they'll come. But not mm -hmm. too long ago, mm -hmm. I actually caught on my phone a spirit hawk flying mm -hmm. with another hawk. My mom said, well, maybe it's one of those government birds that they talk about <laughs> I mean because it was straight, it went a different direction and it was just a spirit it was oh. just like oh, I'll send it to you but you know what here's the thing Wendy it's how I felt and I actually was with a student of mine at the time she's you know we were out there we both felt it that's why mm -hmm. I reported it and I didn't know actually until I saw the video and I slowed it down and mm -hmm. I was like oh my gosh but there was that validation that I felt within that mm -hmm. day I didn't even know why I mean I see hawks every day so yeah but it's how you feel yeah. and what's, what's different about this one so yes I would really love it if you could send me that and that gives me goosebumps <laughs> yeah I've never I've never had any you know been able to catch anything like that you know even and I didn't actually see it with my own eyes we just saw that the hawk was really just over us and right. it was flying you know just I don't know, almost playful. And that's why we were watching it. And I mean, I think that maybe in the back of my mind, I was thinking, hmm, I wonder if there's a mouse around here or something that it's trying to get at. And sometimes, like I said, I'll whistle and I'll, you know, mm -hmm. like into the wind, I'll do it and mm -hmm. it'll pull back, you know. Wow. And sometimes I've gotten so freaked out running the house. <laughs> like, oh but you're able to call them. I think that's yeah. incredible. Wow. Which that's great. People did that forever, right? Yeah. Yeah. But today you don't really think of it. My co-host Mandy had bought me a two hour session with the shaman and she was like, you have a shaman lineage and you need to meet him. And I, I said, yes, I do. And she was, and I said, well, how do I meet him? She was, you need to learn how to drum journey and go do a journey to meet him. So I go to this class and we're about ready to journey and everyone's, you know, can't wait to meet their spirit animal. And this is what we're told to do. But mm -hmm. no, Wendy, I'm going to meet my shaman. <laughs> <laughs> and the first thing I see is a hawk. And I'm like, no, oh. I, I don't want to meet my hawk. I want to meet the shaman. So I'm following this hawk and I mm -hmm. get to the clearing and this wolf comes out and turns into a man. And then she starts making the drum really fast to return. And I'm like, no. <laughs> You just met him. <laughs> yes, that was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. So I, I do believe that the hawk be my power animal. But like you, I've had so many experiences with so many animals. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. I have a funny story about that too. I, I took a shaman's workshop one, uh, one weekend and we had to pair up with somebody and we were supposed to do the journey for that person. Yes. Okay. I learned that too. Okay. Now what I did was I saw a snake for her and I immediately judged that as bad. So when I was telling her about the journey, I changed it into something more acceptable. I can't remember. Oh, I think I told her it was a horse or okay. something. 
And I could see she was very disappointed. And so I said, well, let me, I said, well, what, what's, what's wrong? Is everything okay? She said, I really wanted to see a snake. That's my power. I said, oh my God. I said, I'm so, so sorry. I said, I had judged it to be a bad omen, a bad sign, a bad power animal. So I didn't tell you. And she was happy. And that really taught me a lesson. I've done that. Have you? With my daughter. Oh no. So I saw a snake. And I changed it. Oh my. I changed it to an owl. And what was interesting is reading the characteristics of both, but I did tell her a snake too. Oh, did you? Okay. But I consciously changed it in the journey. Yeah. 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 And so I, and I told her I did see a snake at first. Mm-hmm. Then I asked for something different for you. Mm. So aren't we sketchy on the reptiles? <laughs> well, they've always been presented as evil. And yet that's yeah, uh, serpents. feminine power the snake makes a circle I mean, you've probably read about all that and so and shedding her skin no you know i did because uh, i've had dreams of snakes it's conditioned in us Mm -hmm. to see it that way yeah i agree with you there yeah you know so that's that definitely is something but i also believe that when you're looking for the you know what does this mean to me I do believe that it's amazing that most people do come up with the same interpretations because of the characteristics of maybe that animal. Mm -hmm. However, I do always suggest to my clients or anybody, like, what does it mean to you? You know, right. That's the most important thing. And for her at the time, she was going through a lot of transformation and it wasn't for me to change that snake to an owl. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) but we've learned so much yeah and I and I can't wait I'm still I'm still (laughs) learning I'm just I'm a student for life and I I love these conversations that's why I do what I do but I (laughs) I do love when I connect with someone as much I have with you Wendy and I I love that yeah thank you so much yeah so where can everybody find your book do you have a website for your book as well that you want to throw out there yeah, I do. It's a wendywillowauthor.com. And if you go to my website, you can see my book pop up right away. And the buy button. It's on Amazon. It's on Kindle, Kobo, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, all kinds of places, whatever you prefer. Yeah, it's published. It's ready. It's flying. It's out there. It's uh, it can be ebook or paperback. And that's it. Silver butterfly wings. Yeah, yeah. The silver. Silver. Yeah, that's interesting too, is because that first uh, year I saw so many butterflies. And then one night I was going out for a walk, one evening. I used to go around sunset. The light changes then. And I was, it was sort of a sad time of day. The sun's going down and, you know, we're going into night. And, you know, here I am all by myself, no husband, and he's gone and all this stuff. And so I usually walk, I did a lot of walking that uh, first year. And so I was just out walking, and I happened to look up, and way up in the sky, there was this butterfly. And I'm thinking, what the heck is it doing so high up? And then all of a sudden, it changed to silver. Now, I think it was the setting sun had something to do with it. But 
even so silver okay <laughs> why is there a silver butterfly way up high there so that's how I got the name and then the same thing with the bats because there were bats in the neighborhood and uh, I'd never seen bats in our neighborhood before they you know usually you see them in the woods or whatever but this is yeah. like right in my backyard and or again going for a walk in the evening and then all these bats would come flying out like where are they coming from and then again, I had, uh, I think I was sitting down this time, not out walking and the bat would just flew over me and then it changed to silver. So I don't really know why I didn't study colors or anything. I mean, silver, but it, to me, it just felt like, you know, this is something ethereal. This is something from the other side. This is not something of this earth because there's no silver animal. Well, actually there is a silver wolf or something, but not in terms of this kind of silver. So that's where I got the name from. I absolutely love that. And oftentimes when people have been on our podcast talking about near-death experiences or also connecting with angels and guides, they do talk about like metallic colors, mm -hmm. like and gold and copper and stuff like that so I would I definitely associate that with the divine <laughs> and like angels and yeah big time yeah <laughs> yeah truly amazing now do you still do like reading palms or reiki um since COVID, I haven't done palm reading because that I have to do face to face and I have to touch the person's hand okay. Okay. I can't read with ink prints like yeah. how I was taught you do the ink print and you read the lines, but I need to touch somebody's energy in order to get a proper reading. So I haven't done that. I haven't picked that back up since COVID and since moving to the States. Mm -hmm. um, but I do still do numerology because I was doing that all through COVID. I could do that online. It's just wow. basically channeling. I get the numbers and I just channel the reading. And actually, if anybody wants a reading, I give them out free. You know what? If somebody wants a member of their family or more people, you know, they don't charge. I mean, I think I was charging $25 or something, but it's just, I love to do it. And I do want to get back into palmistry, um, but that will come. The Reiki, I let go of Reiki a long, long time ago. I had studied at the Institute of Natural Health in Montreal, and I learned vibrational medicine. I learned about the medicine wheel. I learned Reiki. I learned all the energetic therapeutic touch. And I did practice it for a little while. And then I found that it was draining me and that's not what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to energize you. Yeah. So instead of trying to figure out what I was doing wrong and trying to um, get over that, make it better, I just decided, no, I think I'll go in another direction and focus more on writing yeah. and palmistry. Because when I would do palmistry, I get energized. Right. <laughs> The client leaves I have to go out for a walk run around like I have to do something you know I so, love that you learn to trust yourself so much and like this is not for me but this one right here is making me feel amazing I love that well that's yes. awesome so if someone does want a reading where would they go go to my website there's a contact um form you can fill out and you, you get my email that way and we can just connect and I'll do a reading for you that's so awesome. Thank you so much. And now it's time for Break That Shit Down. Well, the first thing I can think of saying is to quiet the mind. I mean, that's universal. If you're full of chatter, you can't hear your inner teachings, your inner 
words. So I would just say quiet the mind and allow, allow whatever is meant to come to you in the moment. Don't force anything. Don't try to find anything. You can't chase comfort. You can't chase a sense of peace. You can't really chase anything that is calm. So basically, yes, just get quiet, open up and let the inner voices speak to you. Yeah, that's great advice because, you know, there's not anybody in this world who will not deal with some sort of grief. Yeah. Something that we all have in common. (laughs) Yes, unfortunately we do, but with helping one another, we'll get through it. Yeah. And I always think about how it's a beautiful thing too, because it means, I mean, because if you've never experienced grief, then that means you never really loved at all. So it's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for being vulnerable with your grief so that you can help others. So it's great. Thank thing. You, it's been a privilege to be here. You have a wonderful holiday as well. Thank you. You too. Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you. We rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening.